All right, all right, all right. We are starting a new series today, and it's a series that I'm really excited about. Thankfully, Shane gave me the first one and not one of the harder ones later. The guy that we're going to be talking about today is Gideon, and for those of you that don't know much about him, I think by the time we're done here, you will, you will be able to uh, associate a little more with him. So what do, we, what do we think about in our heads when we think about courage? I got a couple pictures that we're going to show. Do we think of our servicemen and women? Do we think about firemen? Think about police officers? Those that are dealing with cancer? Those who have overcome disabilities? Obviously, superheroes, right? In this day and age, do we think of teachers? Parents, right? How about this little guy? For those of you that don't know, that's Steve Rogers before he became Captain America, the 98-pound winkling. Or maybe these two. Now, personally, these, these two kids, these, these kids scare me to death. I would not mess with either one of them. That was a meme that popped up on the internet a couple, like last year. It was supposed to be Kingpin and Daredevil. But that little guy on the left, he just, oh, he's so cute, but he's terrifying. So do we think of these last two when we think of courage? Probably not, because in our society, in our day and age, we usually pair up courage and bravery with strength. So usually we're not going to be intimidated by a little guy. But as God's going to show us today, he doesn't have to use the biggest or the baddest guy. We're going to talk about Gideon today. We're going to start in Judges chapter 6. You can follow along. We'll have the scripture up here. Or you can follow along in the Bible app or in a Crosspoint app. All right, here we go. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abazur. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now I want to stop right there. I believe that God has a sense of humor because if he didn't, he wouldn't have created me the way he did. So I kind of picture God sitting in heaven with his angels going, Hey, hey, you see that guy down there? I want you to go down, appear to him, and call him a mighty hero. And the angel probably goes, whoa, that guy? That guy's like four pounds. You kidding me? That guy's little. He's hiding and threshing wheat so his enemies don't get it. God says, go, just, just go. All right, you're the boss. So the angel appears to him and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Gideon says, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought you up out of Egypt? And now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. 
So Gideon replied, Okay, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I have come back and brought my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Now, a couple things. First of all, I don't know about you guys, but if an angel suddenly appears to me, I'm not going to be like, hey, what's up, dude? I'm going to, he's just sitting here minding his own business, threshing the wheat, and all of a sudden, hello, mighty hero. Maybe not that creepy, but you, you know what I'm saying. He's scared out of his mind. And then he takes it a step further, and he goes, I want you to save the people of Israel, you. Now, Gideon's probably thinking the same thing that the angel did when God told him to come down here. Me? (laughs) What? So when you're a disciple, expect to be fearful. Expect to be fearful. Because Gideon's got a pretty big plate full now. It's not like God just asked him to go around the corner to Walmart and get a loaf of bread. No, the enemy that he's taken on, the Midianites... They had beat down the Israelites for seven years now. They were a daunting, huge army. So much so that the Israelites were starving because they were hiding from them. They had no chance against them. So as it goes on, the angel proves himself. He waits there for him until Gideon brings his his offering to him. And later that night, the Lord wakes up Gideon and tells him and some of his friends, hey, I want you to go destroy this altar in the middle of town. Well, of course, Gideon's too afraid to do it during the daylight because the townspeople kill him, right? So they get their black gear on, their hoods and everything else, and they go stealth. Dum, 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 right? Ninja night mission. They go and tear this altar down, destroy it. And once the Midianites see that, <laughs> then it's on. So both sides of the armies assemble themselves. The Israelites and the Midianites assemble, and they're ready to do battle. Chapter 6, 36. Then Gideon said to the Lord, If you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. Yet again, he's asking him to prove himself, to show him a sign. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. I love verse 38. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out three drops. No. Wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to the Lord, as if that's not enough, Lord, please don't be angry with me. But let me make one more request. This time, let me use the fleece for one more test. But this time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. When you're a disciple, expect to have questions. Now, most of us in this room were probably raised to never, never, never question God or his will. It's a big no-no. My way of thinking has always been this. God gave us a brain. I think he kind of expects us to ask questions sometimes. 
I also think that there's probably not an evangelist alive today that hasn't at one point or another gone, you want me to do what, God? As a human being, that's pretty tough to go 100% of the time. Okay, Lord. Especially when he's wanting to send you on a task that's this big like he did with Gideon. So I can kind of associate with that, and I think most of us can, that when God wants to send us someplace, someplace that's scary, we tend to go, are you sure? Because we're afraid. Expect to have questions. It's okay. And this is a recurring theme in Gideon's story. He's now asking ask him to prove himself, show him a sign, what, three times? It's okay to ask questions. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. The armies have assembled, they're ready to go. But God says, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midians, the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me and say that they save themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid can leave and go home. So, they started out with 32,000 troops ready to fight with Gideon. So, 22,000 of them, gone, went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Was that good enough? No, God says, oh, hold on, hold on. You still got too many, dude. You still got too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took the warriors down to the water, the Lord said, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water into their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. Gross. And in the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Also gross. Not purified water here, guys. It's like, all kind. Anyway, I get distracted. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these, not 32,000, not 10,000, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men. All right. Expect to be sent. Now, in this instance, God not only sent the troops that didn't need to be there home, but instead of sending them with pretty good odds, in my opinion, 32,000 troops, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is going to be my battle. I want everybody to know that the odds were stacked against you. So you got 300 guys. Go. As you can imagine, they're probably all like, oh, gosh. Uh. So they're still pretty spooked. So the Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night, the Lord said, hey, hey, get up. Go down into the camp, for I have given you victory over them. But, if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then, you'll be ready to attack. You'll be eager to attack. Expect to have his strength. Now, when, when Gideon went down to the camp, he overheard one of the, one of the troops describing a dream that he had had. 
And basically, to paraphrase it, what the dream, the dream that God had given this troop was, uh, Gideon's going to come down here and he's going to wipe the floor with us. So they were starting to get a little, <laughs> a little spooked. Well, when, they heard, when Gideon heard this, he was like, hey, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go get the troops. He was ready to go. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he cheered, he screamed. No, the first thing he did was he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given us victory over the Midianite hordes. Verse 19. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Okay, okay, hold on. I got to stop for a minute. I got to build this up a little bit because this is, how many of you guys like action movies? Dudes especially, right? I'm sure there's some ladies that like action movies, right, Paul? Yeah, okay. This is that part in the action movie where we've met the hero, he started his task, he's, say he's fighting the strongest man he's ever fought, and what happens? The guy kicks the crap out of him, right? The guy's down on his knees, he's bleeding, he's about to give up. And then he gets that second wind. This is the piece de resistance. This is the final, not the final countdown, the final conflict. And this, to me, reading this, this is gold. It gives me chills. It was just after midnight. Picture this in your heads. Dark. After the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke the clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic. Shouting as they ran to escape. Have your kids ever come up and waited till you were in a deep, deep sleep? My girls did this the other day. And they were fortunate to still be here because it scared the daylights out of me. I dozed off on the couch. They decided they were going to come wake up daddy. So they came in. And they went, daddy! And I went, imagine that with 300 troops positioned all around the camp, blowing horns and breaking chars. That's going to be a pretty big racket. I think any seasoned soldier, I have a few friends that have that served in Afghanistan, and they'll tell you they will still wake up at the drop of a hat and just, just ready to go. So imagine that many troops doing the same thing, creating that loud noise. You bet they jumped up and they were running around. When the 300 Israelites blew the ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight each other with their swords. Israelites didn't even have to go in with their swords. Midianites killed each other. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as that one place and that other one place, because I, don't, I can't pronounce them, and to the border of uh-huh and hmm, yep. I know, Paul, you would have probably been able to pronounce those a little better. Okay, well, fair enough. They fled to places. So when you're going into this big battle... Expect to have God's strength because he's not sending you alone. He's going to be with you every step of the way. Now, here's the great thing about God. 
we can look at this and we can look at it as just a story. But the fact of the matter is, this is reality. This happened. This is history. I think it's hard sometimes to look at some of, some of the things that we learn in the Bible about these different warriors and not just see them as characters in a book. Gideon was a real person. And God is still using real people as renegades today. I've got one more picture of a guy that I'm going to pop up here. Normal people who are sometimes fearful, sometimes question, but they walk through the fire anyway. People like my uncle, Alan Spear. Now, my uncle is the CEO of Agape Flights in Venice, Florida. They're a nonprofit Christian aviation ministry who supply cargo, mail, and humanitarian aid to mission partners throughout the Caribbean. Now, before he did this, he was a uh, senior pastor. He did various things in the church for the past 30-some-odd years. But mostly he was a senior pastor, and he would... um, It was during this time that he started traveling around the world doing various mission endeavors. He would travel to places like Jamaica. He's been to Mexico. He's been to Belarus. He's been to Haiti. And he's been to Cuba. The last two, Haiti and Cuba, he will go on for days about Haiti and Cuba. He loves them. I remember when he first started traveling to Cuba. He would never tell you, but he was scared. Because in a communist country like Cuba, going over there and talking to the people about Christ is risky. And it's not just, don't do that. At the time, Fidel was still in power, and it was one of those, hey, you're going to prison. Or worse. But he went through the fire anyway. And he went because he saw the need there. And because God was telling him, hey, I know this is scary, but you're not going by yourself. Every time God sees him, he's getting ready to leave for Cuba tomorrow on another trip. And every time that God sends him, he sends him with his strength. Just like he did Gideon. And just like he will you and I. We don't have to necessarily be going to Cuba or Haiti. We could just be going to work or Walmart. A simple place. So the question is today, what is our next step? It's all about the next step. Maybe you recently received Christ, and the next step is baptism for you. Maybe going to church on Sunday mornings is good for Sunday mornings, but it doesn't get you through the week. So maybe small group is a good next step. What is the next step? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Maybe for some of us, just coming to church next week is the next step. I know some weeks that's, that's hard as I sit here teaching to you guys. Some days it's hard to get up and go to church. I'm going to have the band come up, and we're going to have a word of prayer. Just be thinking about, during this time of reflection, of what our next step is. It doesn't have to be a huge, monumental step. It be a small step.
Father, we thank you for this time today. And Lord, we thank you for we thank you for what you did with Gideon. And we thank you for showing us today that it doesn't matter how big you are or how strong you are, or even if you have perfect faith. Because you have a purpose for all of us. And for some of us, it may be a big purpose, taking on a giant. For some of us, it might not be. But no matter what the task that you send us on, we know, Lord, that you will be with us. You'll never send us on a task by ourselves. So, Lord, we thank you. And for, for any of us out there that have questions, Lord, supply us with answers. And Lord, help us to work on our prayer work this week. And it's very simple. Show us the next step. Show me my next step. Where you would lead me. Where you would use me. For it's in your name we pray.